African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Dialogue and I'm Ayandam Kwanazi who will be your host. African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Friday at 1100 hours Central African time. Please live stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za. You can also listen to us on the DSTV audio bouquet channel 802. We look forward to interacting with you on our various social media platforms at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One. Well, on the, st- on the show today, we have lots in store for you. In the first segment, my one-on-one, I'll be joined in studio by Her Excellency, Dr. Lindiwe Mabuza. She is definitely a woman with many titles, ambitions and achievements, and I'm certainly hoping to pick her brain on thoughts about South Africa's current status quo in terms of politics and governance. But first, the news with Anne Musa. In the headlines, Nelson Mandela Foundation to file an urgent application to declare lobby group Afri Forum leaders' action in contempt of court for displaying the apartheid flag. Democratic Republic of Congo's government is introducing free education for primary school learners. And Brazilian president accuses Emmanuel Macron of colonialist mentality as the French president warns of a global crisis. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. The Nelson Mandela Foundation in South Africa has announced it will be filing an urgent application in the High Court in Johannesburg to declare lobby group Afri Forum's leader Ernest Roots' action in contempt of court. Roots displayed the apartheid-era national flag on Twitter after the Equality Court, which was sitting in the High Court, ruled that gratuitous display of the flag constituted hate speech, harassment and unfair fair discrimination. Somalia's President Mohamed Abdullahi Famadjo has appointed a former war lord and government minister as the mayor of the capital Mogadishu and governor of Banadir region. Omar Muhammad Muhammad's appointment follows the killing of his predecessor, Abdurrahman Umar Osman, in a suicide bombing carried out by a female colleague last month. Muhammad was a war lord in Mogadishu until he became a minister of religious affairs in Somalia's then-transitional government in 2004. He served in the post until 2009. The Democratic Republic of Congo's government is introducing free education for primary school learners. At a press conference in the capital, Kinshasa, the Minister of Primary and Secondary Education, Emri Ukunje, spoke on the government's decision that's to start next month. The government of the Republic has cancelled all fees parents used to pay, including tuition fees, insurance, identification fees, and so on. The DRC government will take care of all those fees. 
Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro has accused his French counterpart Emmanuel Macron of having a colonial colonialist mentality. His comment comes after the French president's tweet that the crisis over a record number of wildfires in Brazil's Amazon region would be given top priority at the G7 summit that is hosting this weekend. The BBC's Daniel Gallas reports. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the Amazon was a major source of oxygen and diversity and must be protected. Emmanuel Macron said this was now an international emergency. Our house is burning, he said, literally. But Jair Bolsonaro dismissed that, accusing Mr. Macron of interfering and having a colonialist attitude. Environmental groups have blamed the wildfires on the Brazilian president's policies that prioritize economic development of the region. And finally, a United Nations report says that many countries in the Asia-Pacific region could be reaching a tipping point when the impact of floods, cyclones and droughts exceeds their capacity to respond. It says in 2018, almost half the natural disasters worldwide occurred in the region. Gavay Sahidi co-wrote the report. If you broaden the lens on disasters and look at what we call slow-onset disasters, like drought, the impact is even more concerning because you see it then converging with poverty, you see it converging with inequality. It's impacting especially, for example, the farmers in our region. Just here in Southeast Asia, over 100 million people work on agriculture, so they are highly vulnerable to this new reality. Recapping the top story, the Nelson Mandela Foundation to file an urgent application to declare lobby group AfriForum leaders action in contempt of court for displaying the apartheid-era flag. The Democratic Republic of Congo's government is introducing free education for primary school learners. And the Brazilian president accuses Emmanuel Macron of colonialist mentality as the French president warns of a global crisis. Thank you to Anne and the news team. The time now is six minutes after 11. Thank you for listening and for joining Channel Africa African Dialogue this morning. I'm sitting opposite Her Excellency Dr. Lindiwe Mabuza. It is not often that we are graced with an opportunity to sit down with our previous leaders, especially with such a rich and vast history. She has accomplished so much in her life, just to name a few, being a recipient of an honorary degree of Doctor Philosophy at the University of Durban Westville. And her post, one of her last posts was being the High Commissioner of the Republic of South Africa to the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. That was from 2001 to 2009. And in between all of that hard work, she's written many poems. Good morning and thank you for joining us, Your Excellency. Thank you for having me, Ayanda. You look beautiful this morning. Gracious. You look absolutely stunning. Thank you. Um, Excellency, I want to start where everything all started. You were born in KwaZulu-Natal in Newcastle. 
you grew up with your your family, your mother and your father being a domestic worker and your father being a truck driver. Where did it all begin for you? But right there in Newcastle, actually, when I opened my eyes and was aware of my environment and my reality, I was with my grandmother. And she's the one who gave me so much of uh, a moral base, an ethical base on which I've shaped my life. Um, She's the one who introduced me to even understanding a little bit of racism. One time we were in town in Newcastle, walking the streets. She was a a laundry woman Mm -hmm. working at a white white girls' hostel. And I used to envy those white girls because every day my grandmother was leaving us at six in the morning Mm -hmm. to go and wash their clothes. And they had so many clothes and I had two dresses at home. But I said, well, it's nice. They have my grandmother the whole day, which was not really the reality. But in a child's mind, it seemed as if I was being left in preference of those white girls. So one time we're in town, I see this little white girl who was about my age, I thought. And she was working with her father. Mm. And they were going towards a house, a brick house. And they had towels with them. I said, where are they going, Coco? She said, they're going there. What are they going to do? They're going to swim. I want to go and swim too, Coco. Can't I join them? She took my hand and she just pointed at my color. I said, what's the problem? She said, that's why you can't go because you're not the same skin as Mm. them. That was my first lesson in racism, that there are places that I can't enter. I have to go and swim, which I did in the river, which are Bilhaza infested. Mm, mm. And they have a nice swimming pool inside clean water. And they can walk with their towels hand in hand with the father. Mm, I mm. didn't have one around at the time. Mm. And how did that make you feel? Because I suppose that's when you also started realizing that there's something wrong. You you know something is not right. Why can't a child go and be a child with other children? Because I didn't see myself as different. I didn't see color as an important factor. But my ma- grandmother was saying, the reality is that in this country, that your color matters mm. and you're going to be excluded. And so we were excluded in in our school. It was a school for Africans and she was working for white girls who came from all over KZ and Newcastle, Natal at the time. Mm. And they came from farms, from towns, but they were together in a nice school with all the facilities. Later, as I went to Joburg to join my parents, mm. then racism really was entrenched. Because my, my mother and father worked for a farm. They were owning pigs. Mm. And one day, their eldest dead daughter was getting married. And in my little mind, I was so excited. I said, <laughs> I'm probably going to be part of the wedding party. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, and then my mother, of course, put put the reality into my head. No, uh, they have selected their bridesmaids. 
And are we going to go there? No, we'll just get some leftover food, which we did get, and I mm. enjoyed it very much. But all those things, lessons at an early age, no, something is not right. Mm. Mm. And in those lessons, you acknowledge your grandmother when you started the, the interview. She played a very critical role in your life, especially also in education. Um, she was teaching kids in the community. How did that um, unfold as well? Because you say in one of your quotes that the house was always full of children and she was teaching us. Yes, uh, not her children, maybe her, her nieces. And sometimes the nieces would bring in their friends from the countryside because they came from all over beyond Newcastle, Dunhauser, Dundee, mm. friends of my grandmother's nieces. And she would say, uh, just find yourself room on the floor where you can sleep because they were sleeping on the floor mm. and they didn't even have mattresses. It can't see the, the grass mat yes. is what they used. And they used to use paraffin lamp. I would see them studying under the table, the dining room table. Sure. And of course, I started imitating. When they were reading, I would get some newspaper or something and pretend I was reading too. <laughs> you know, the inspiration you mm -hmm. get in some very unlikely ways is what influences your, your, your attitude towards life. And those girls and my grandmother's doing is what got me to university in the end. Mm. I don't know if you know the story of how I even got to university. Please uh, share. After I'd finished matric and yes. that in itself, that was my mother's doing. Mm. And a great teacher I had in KZ and in Guazulu, in Newcastle rather, Gigi Zwane, Golden George Zwane, he used to take us in boarding school early in the morning at five in the five o'clock in the morning take the girls there were 45 of us in our jc class which was what grade a grade 10 two years before you finished metric yes yes grade 10. so he would come there and counsel us what do you want mm. to be i said i wanted to be a nurse because there were two choices mm. at the time i didn't even know about social work at the time with nursing or teaching why do you want to be a nurse? Well, they get money early mm. and they, they dress <laughs> nice when they are not at work. Yes. <laughs> and he said, no, I think you must say you want to be a nurse because you want to help our people. Mm. The he you want to take care of the health of people. And if you want to be a nurse, I think you have enough brains to say, I want to be a sister tutor a teacher of nurses. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you want to do go into the health service, say I want to be a doctor, and I hadn't, I didn't have uh, science and math at the time, mm -hmm. how can I be a doctor? Yeah. But he was just ta saying, cast your net wider mm -hmm. in the field of health, and you, you don't have to, to be tied down to what the system says mm. you must open up and open to the world so I wanted to do matric and my mother wasn't at all amused when I approached the, the subject to her yeah. said you've I've got your brother to look after now 
I thought you were finished and I had even bought you a watch so you can be a nurse, wow. good for training. Mm. Please, 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 JC is enough for you. Yeah. I said, please, Mama, in the end, because she, she spoke to her madam, mm. who said, if she wants to do metric, let her do metric. Many white girls don't even want to do metric. Wow. That's what pushed my mother to say to me later, it's okay. Mm. Go and do metric. Two more years of her working for my school fees as well as my brother's fees. And so in the end, now we want to talk about the girls, how that brought me back to wanting higher ed more education. Yes, yes. Because after I finished metric, a friend of mine and I were in Joburg looking for part-time work whilst we are put in our applications to go to Coronationville or mm -hmm. Paraguanath or McCord in Durban, just putting our applications all over for nursing training. We were hungry one day. We went into town, in, into Moloy's restaurant, which mm -hmm. was on Commissioner Street or, or Market Street, I don't remember. Anyway, we asked for food. Mm -hmm. We only had a shilling between the two of us. And at the restaurant? And it's the, there were only three black restaurants in town. Sure. My Buye, uh, and this one, and that was Blue Lagoon. Mm. And Muloy says, you want, you're coming for food. What are you doing in town? We're looking for jobs. Why? Because we've applied for nursing, but it takes time. So, so what have you done in school? I completed, we both had com completed our metric. Mm. Said with metric? You're marketing yourselves for a part-time job. And then he says, uh, tell me, tell me about, more about yourself. Who's your mother? I tell him who my mother is and your grandmother. I said, she's Mary Msibi. He says, who? Mary Msibi. Is that the woman that used to take girls into a house from wow. all over? I said, yes, that's my grandmother. I said, you know what? What, what do you want to do, really? If you, and I was shy, mm. said, I'd really like to go to university. <laughs> Remember George, the mm. teacher who inspired me? Already there. And he says, you want to go to university? I'll send you to any university you want to go to in South Africa. Because your grandmother gave me an educated wife. Wow. She is the one responsible for my, my wife being a teacher. I, even now, I can't believe that that influence was really great. And that's how I went to Roma. Mm. Well, he said, choose any university. I applied. Roma was the first to respond. Mm. And I, I actually, coming from a Catholic boarding school in Newcastle, I was very happy to be able to go to Roma yeah. in Lesotho. Mm. Also, I wanted to get out of the town. Mm. Mm. Thank you to Rashid Naz, who's listening from Pakistan on our Facebook page. I'm speaking to Her Excellency, Dr. Lindiwe Maboza, on her life, on the legacy she's left, on her achievements. She's got many achievements. I struggled to, to prepare for this interview because I felt there was no shortcuts. There was no easy way of starting the conversation. But thank you so much for, for coming into the studio. Let's take a short break and then we'll continue after this.
20 minutes after 11. This is African Dialogue. I'm joined by Her Excellency Lindiwe Mabuza, Dr. Lindiwe Mabuza. And she is very accomplished. She's very determined. And she's achieved very lot, uh, very much in her in her career. Dr. Mabuza, I'd like to just start the conversation now, fast forwarding to 1975 or the 70s, when you joined the ANC, which is the African National Congress. You grew up seeing the segregation, you grew up feeling the segregation, but now you felt it is time to act as an individual. Well, 75, actually, I was already teaching in the United States at uh, Ohio University. I was a professor of literature, comparative literature and history, mainly South African, African history, African, South African literature, comparative literature of American black people in America and ourselves, because I saw so many synergies between us and what we're producing, fighting racism on two sides of the Atlantic. And then I thought, 75 already, no. I can't continue as if it's normal mm. to be a professor in my situation, mm-hmm. coming from where I, I, I come. I thought, no, I want to do more now. Mm. And I invited my mother to come to the United States so I could broach the subject to her first, that uh, Ma, I've been helping a little bit, sending you money over the years, yes. but now I'm not going to be able, in a position to do that because I want to join the African National Congress. She was shocked. She was not so happy. She said, Mdanam, but I thought you were going to build me a house. Mm. I said, Ma, look, I'm living in a comfortable house, but our, our people comfortable at home, mm. in the homes they don't have, in the houses that are a matchbox in Soweto. Finally, we agreed it's okay. Mm. And then the ANC had said, yes, you can come to Zambia. Went to Zambia. I joined the ANC and worked on Radio Freedom, which was having a conference with the people of South Africa on the air every day. Mm. It was such a privilege, such an honor and a huge responsibility because you had to to be correct in everything you said. And this is also where you used your literature and your poetry to to advocate for for women's rights and for women to be able to express themselves. Yes, because uh, I was asked to be in charge of uh, culture in the ANC. So the poetry part came Mm. easily. But I also assisted to have a book written by women or poetry book called Malibongwe. It was published outside, but we hope that it's going to be published inside the country because women from all over in ANC centers contributed to that book. And also I asked the women, write your short stories. Mm. So the second book we did as the women of South Africa, ANC women, was to come up with a book called Never No. Uh, it's one of the sto- short stories mm. in the book that I got the, the, the title from. 
Anyway, that also we hope in two in less than two years should mm. be out in South Africa because our people have not seen those books. Mm. Uh, and to be able to do culture over the air was a privilege again because it wasn't only my work, but we used to do the poetry of other authors in uh, in the book Poets to the People, mm-hmm. where you had the poetry of the Josiciles, the Sirotes, uh, Perry Feinberg, the Cosmo Peterses, South African artists on the air, and the music of Miriam and Hugh and Leta and Kaifas. Mm. It, it was a joy. Mm. And, and, and you know, when the ANC was then banned and the, the work also started because you had to organize these um, shows in the countries where you were deployed in to try and call for, for governments to act against the government of South Africa. When finally we got to the, the part where we all wanted to see a, a, a united South Africa, what was your first reaction to yourself when you reflected in, in 1994 that here we are free is it was it believable it was such a momentous occasion almost a sacred moment in our lives when a dream mm. becomes such a, an unbelievable reality but in that context, you had some moments to to think about the person or persons that were responsible for us to be there. Mm. Yes, of course, the masses of our people who struggled, those people who were doing work underground, like ants working to refine the mm. soil of revolution underground. You thought of Umkondoesis were activities over the years. The the work of the international community. Mm. Because ANC was considered a terrorist organization in many of the countries of the West mm. until ultimately you would find a handful of people that didn't believe in the legitimacy of the struggle as led by the ANC. Mm. So, you know, it has been it had been years. But heading all of that activity was one man, Oliver Reginald Tambo. Mm. And so for us to celebrate in 1994, my thoughts were always on that man. Mm. Would we have reached that destination if we didn't have the caliber of leadership that he showed and was able to transmit to his followers, to his disciples, so to speak? an ethical leadership, a principled leadership, a selfless type of leadership, where he even gave up living with his family in London to go and be with the people in the frontline states Mm. to be closer to the theater of battle in South Africa. A person that was interested in each and every person that joined the ANC, each and every soul that came to him. He fathered us all making no discrimin no no distinction. Mm-hmm. The young women in the ANC, we owe so much of who we are because he's the one who actually told us 
you must lead us men against our own attitudes about women. Mm-hmm. We have archaic views of women. It's the, it's the men who taught us we should be equal in the struggle. The emancipation of women is the responsibility of all of us, men and women mm. together. But women must lead us in that direction. Mm. And I'm glad you're touching on that because I want to go to the conclu- like sort of conclude our 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 interview with you. You're talking about that caliber of leadership of Reginald Oliver Tambo, um, you Nelson Mandela's. That was all the ANC. But we've got a very fragmented ANC, fast forward to 2018, 2019. Is this the same ANC that you fought so hard for? The ANC that we fought hard for, which Oliver Tumble made us aware of, lives today. It's there, it's alive. There's a a contest between that ANC and those who have deviated from the path of the ANC. Certainly, we have people who have lost the plot, who, who pre- perhaps where they were never ANC in the first place. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they were there, just going along. I remember the story of one of the comrades in Zambia who used to say, and he said it as a joke. Okay, and right now, me, I'm going to be a donkey mm. for the leadership to ride on me. But when we get to the border, the night before our freedom, I'll get off the back of them and they will be my donkeys, Mm -hmm. the leaders. So you had that kind of mentality and it continues. People have really showed who they are, that they were never really committed Mm -hmm. to the principles that we based ourselves on, the principles enunciated in the Freedom Charter. The, 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 the selflessness of Oliver Tambo is no longer with those people mm. because they got money as the controlling yes. thing for them. Mm. And, and with money, you, you know, as, as my, my last question to you, we've also got this habit of not being able to implement certain things. Our leaders don't implement strategies. They don't implement change. Do, do you think that they're lacking the, um, the vision? They're lacking the, I don't know how to describe it, but I mean, we've got our SOEs that are in shambles. We've got a crisis of jobs in the country, but they're not implementing ways to reduce this pressure. How, how do you think we can resolve that, uh, Her Excellency? I don't have all the answers. But I think the problem went right there that we thought we had good leaders. We never had them. Mm. And the policies may have been fine on paper, but if you don't have the right people and right strategies for implementation, you are you lose the, the, the battle before you even begin. Mm. I think that people have to go back to the the traditions the roots the the principles we've got to correct ourselves because the ANC that Oliver Tambo led is one that forced every one of us individually first of all to want to do the best for the movement for the, our people for our struggle 
we, we gave our all. People lost their lives. Young, young blood in Soweto flowed and overflowed mm. for, for better ideals, for higher ideals than what people are struggling for. Mm. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time, for coming to the studio. We are really honored to have you. It has been a privilege to, to talk to you. We're going to keep Her Excellency a little bit longer in the studio as we just continue with our with our show today. Uh, we've got quite a few people on, on Facebook Live who are looking at us, who are listening to us, who are commenting. So thank you to everybody. Let's go for another break and we come back after this.